What are you doing? I hate shitheads who bully their women. So what are you gonna do? Shoot him. What? It's the principle, James. You know, with, with a pellet gun? I mean, what are you gonna accomplish using that stupid thing? It allows me to seriously aggravate a situation without actually changing the course of history. It also stings like a bitch. Well, I'm glad that's over. Carl, what are you doing? Everything's cool now. Mister, it's nothing personal. several sacred things in this world that you don't ever mess with. One of them happens to be another man's fries. Now you remember that and you will live a long and healthy life. Pool seeners, if you're like us, you're probably feeling pretty scummy after our last episode. Oh God, dude, that's an understatement. So this week we definitely wanted to do a palate cleanser. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin. Picking up the trash with me, I'm joined by Jim. Hey now. This week's movie was originally called Clear Intent. Then abstract fucking at title <laughs> pop 65 yeah like fucking what is that what, what does that even mean <laughs> at first i was like prop 65 and i was yeah. like oh maybe they had to like do a garbage script and then yeah. i was like pop 65 what is <laughs> and then finally men at work men at work was released in 1990 and directed by emilio estevez estevez yes. obviously an accomplished actor but as a director before men at work he became the youngest person ever to write direct and star in a single motion picture for the movie wisdom in 1986 i have no idea what that is fuck is wisdom Probably it's on Tubi. I have no He's, idea. Uh, directed a few other movies, including The Way in 2011, which is actually reviewed really well. Estevez came up with the idea for Men at Work while filming Jim's favorite movie, St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, fucking trash fire. We're going to talk about that later. He was up at 5 a.m. one morning. He saw a trash truck go by and said, wow, no one's ever made a movie about trash men. I'd argue that this movie's barely about trash men. Yeah. Or more so, I'd say it's about something else where the characters just happen to be garbage men. Sort of like uh, Ghostbusters, where yeah. Harold Ramis has said in the past that Ghostbusters 1 was so successful because it was just about a group of friends starting a business. That's all it was. And it just happened to be ghost busting, but that's where the second one got away from them. Yeah, Men at Work is about 5 to 10% trash related. Yeah, that's it, it. It just happened to be garbage men. Hijinks. In Japan, the Garbage Collectors Union tried to ban the movie because it makes trash collectors look bad. <laughs> what? At least it's somebody doing something about the trash community. <laughs> the is there a trash the community? Trash community. <laughs> Most of Youngstown, I think. Uh, Jim, how did the Japanese Garbage Collectors Union affect U.S. box office? Please give us the budget and box office along with news and number ones at time of release. From WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. This movie came out August 24th, 1990 to a $9 million budget and only made $16 million at the box office. Commendable. Commendable. 
probably broke even, maybe lost a little bit. Not bad. I watched Amsterdam. Okay. Which is on HBO Max. It's got the most loaded cast of a movie ever. It's got uh, Christian Bale, John David Washington, Margot Robbie. I mean, it just on and on and on and on. That movie lost over $100 million. It's fucking insane. Between marketing, between everything, all things considered, lost over $100 million. Now that I look back on it, Amsterdam, did that? That was released last year, right? Yeah. I don't remember any marketing for it. No, I don't remember seeing, I didn't know anything about it. Not really that great of a movie. Margot Robbie was in two absolute bombs last year because she was in that and Babylon. Which oh, that's the, right. Babylon. But Babylon, at least I think it was that dude's like passion project and garnered some positive uh, positivity, I think more than yeah, Amsterdam. Very true. And watching Amsterdam so weird because the whole time I'm just watching John David Washington. I mean, he sounds exactly like his dad. That's what I couldn't get out of my yeah, head he with just, Tenet. Yeah. And Tenet really enjoyed Tenet. I'm glad you told me about that. Really enjoyed it. Fucking long as shit, though. I will tell you that. But that's a Nolan movie. Every Nolan movie is Did you long. See the uh, teaser for Nolan's movie on the Super Bowl. Oh, which one is that? That's um, that's about the atomic bomb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer. Yep. That looks really good. I'm more excited for uh, Keaton coming back as Batman, though. They can take the Ezra Miller shit out. Don't need him in there. Uh, that's it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. Well, what I'm finding interesting right now is there is definitely Marvel movie fatigue. Oh yeah, Ant Man. Well, Ant Man. Bad. It was like as part of the the phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase it's like three. the 31st movie or something. Something like that. I think what happened, and we're going on a tangent, but yeah, why not? after Endgame, it like wrapped things up in a nice kind of bow. Yeah, we're done here. And then they were like, oh, we're starting. Out. We're not really starting over, but we're, we're a building. A soft reboot. Okay, Toy Story 5. I heard about being that. Made, which immensely pisses me off because... Toy Story 3, spoiler alert out, out there, everyone. Andy gives away his toys to a little girl who now is going to give ev- all of them a second life. It's such a sweet ending. It yeah. ends it perfectly. Toy Story 4. I heard is just the shit show Disney money grab. Toy Story 4 is all right. Again, we make a happy ending for the toys. We're going to come back and do Toy Story 5. Be- you know why that is? Because they had a couple disasters at the box office. They don't, oh, yeah. They've changed. Uh, leadership there at Disney and they don't really know what people want any longer if Marvel's doing the same thing which is Disney yeah exactly pretty much not Disney not anything else but the one thing was a certainty in 1990 was blockbuster video here are your top three rentals for the week of August 24th 1990 driving Miss Daisy all right Morgan Freeman fantastic Born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise and Nightbreed. Nice. Fuck yes, Nightbreed. Oh, yeah. Very underrated movie. Love Nightbreed. Kevin, I know we talked about this pre-gaming, about Toy Ohio and me meeting Charlie. Desert Storm officially begins as Operation Desert Shield in August of 1990. Iraq invades Kuwait. We send troops to Iraq. We got the job done. Probably should have went further back then, but we didn't. But hey, that's how it went. That's how it goes. East and West Germany formally announced that they would unite, become one Germany once again on October the 3rd. I'll never forget watching as pieces of the wall came down in 89 and the majesty himself, David Hasselhoff singing. I can't remember what he said. It was some Berlin song. I don't know. <laughs> can't remember what fucking song he sang probably do the one from euro trip over to sports george michael good evening everybody i'm george michael and welcome to the sports machine 
Kevin, on this day in sports, the miracle on ice, the biggest upset in Olympic history, the U.S. beating the Russians, still one of Kurt Russell's best moments of all time. It was all on him. <laughs> Back Thank when you. Al Michaels cared about the sports he was watching. Exactly. Because now he does not give a shit. Yeah, mails so that shit in. Tuned out. Another big event on this day. Scott Steiner turns on his brother and joins the NWO to start of big Papa Pump. Poor life. Thank you for doing that, Scott Steiner. You are one of my favorite Wahlberg brothers. And because of that, we ended up getting Steiner math a couple years later. Yep. Back into 1990, though, Kevin, sticking with wrestling, the Ultimate Warrior unfortunately beat my favorite wrestler of all time, Ravishing Rick Rude, at SummerSlam 90 in the old school WWF Blue Cage. I love the old Blue Cage. Say what you will, made it easier to climb. George Steinbrenner, George Costanza's boss, steps down as the Yankees owner, much to maybe a dismay of Yankee fans back then, but I don't know. Baseball anymore, it's just, I don't really have that much interest anymore, and it kind of ran out for me a long, long time ago. The number one song in America, Miss Mariah Carey, Vision of Love. And once again, like Nightbreed, shockingly, the number one movie in America, Exorcist 3. Hell yeah. In August. Nice. <laughs> Exorcist 3. Thank you for making up for that shit disaster. It was Exorcist 2, which yeah. is one of the worst movies of yeah. all time. Yeah. 2 is so bad. 3 was like, we're going to do something different. It's fucking awesome. It's an awesome movie. But before I turn it back over to you, Kevin, I want to announce as of today, when we're recording the 22nd of February, 2023, we lost an icon today. I want to give a big... Thank you to one of the best startup sounds for a console. Probably one of the best startup sounds ever. The Sony PlayStation. Rest in peace, Toru Okada. Because of that PlayStation startup sound. I don't know what it was back then, but I miss that consoles nowadays don't really have any startup animation, nothing. It's a lot of loading. But that fucking startup sound was iconic. And now to you, Okada. Now back to you, Kevin Okada. Do get called that pretty often. Um, <laughs> so the taglines for men at work, two of them, two garbage men who know when something smells funny. I kind of like, there's a little bit of a double entendre yeah, there. Subtlety, I appreciate that. And then cleaning up in August at theaters everywhere. All right. That's just mailing it in. Yeah, that's lazy. Yeah. All right. Let's dump the plot. Who's the last girl you were serious about? Uh, um, uh, Betsy Sabetta. Betsy Sabetta? I was in the ninth grade and she had a hair lip. She did not. She did too. She did not. Did too, did too. What do you know about her anyway? I know she had a hair lip. Carl Taylor and James St. James. <laughs> that fucking why? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to, hey, hey, bro, I'm going to play James St. James. He's like, bro, I fucking tiger's blood, man. I love it. Dude, when I started watching this again, I literally thought they played brothers in this. Yeah. There's also some question, maybe this comes up in logic, is do they live together? It weirdly seems they like they hang are. hang out at Carl's place? I guess. That's one thing we're going to talk well, about later. That provides the setting. They may yes. or may not live together. Carl Taylor, James St. James are garbage men in what appears to be a pretty rad route along the Pacific Ocean in California. Except they have to 
be dressed like that and smell yes. like shit. But if you had to be a garbage man, yeah, it'd be much worse oh, than yeah. where they deliver. Definitely. Or don't deliver. They deliver garbage. <laughs> they deliver garbage. <laughs> they dump it on people's Uber delivery stairs. garbage. <laughs> I don't get enough garbage here. I really like some more. Fuck uh, it. They don't want to be garbage men. They want to own a surf shop together. Weird. Did you just look at all the activity that's going on down here, Carl? It's close, man. I can see it. Right here, right on the strand. Carl and James surf shop. It's gold. It's gold, James. It's a gold mine. Just think of the garbage business as a way station on the road to bottom. Yeah. <laughs> sense you find one surfboard in the fucking apartment that they have we love surfing i would imagine on the boardwalk where they hang out there's probably 25 surf shops but could you at least show me something like yeah. a fake horrible green screen of one of them surfing yeah something so the two don't really take their garbage job seriously and have a bunch of complaints against them there's a local bike cop that always messes with them pacific generic blue yes and then their boss puts them on probation which means they're gonna have a ride along named lewis who's going to monitor them. How's that nose? It's okay. I still owe one to the intended receiver. You know, man, you were a total pain in the ass. The same night that they've been put on probation, they're drinking some beers, they're using a telescope to spy on neighbors. They're peeping Tom. They are, pretty much. Yeah. And they see a woman named Susan getting mistreated by a man. So from the apartment across the street, Carl shoots the man in the ass with a pellet gun. It has a huge range, apparently. It does. It's a great pellet gun. Yeah. Carl and James duck down and hide, and they're like laughing. They think it's hilarious. But what they don't see is right after shooting him in the ass, two men enter Susan's apartment. She's left like they're Darn. arguing she leaves he shoots him in the ass they duck down two men come into the apartment they strangle the man to death and then they take his body the next day carl and james with lewis in their truck for the ride along so lewis is he's a vietnam vet he's got a couple screws loose if uh, that's all right PTSD, to say yeah. yeah on their route while trying to throw a barrel in the truck they open it to find the body of the man that carl shot with a pellet gun Carl and James argue over how he could have possibly died from a pellet to the ass <laughs> when Lewis points out that he was strangled. Lewis demands, this is the dumbest thing. Lewis demands not getting the cops involved because he hates cops. <laughs> so right there, they could, the movie could be over. They could just be like, I love you, Keith. David. Hey, we found the body, whatever. James is being the fucking voice of reason. He is. But you also got to remember the bike cop keeps telling them, you guys are going to screw up yeah. and I'm going to be there to catch you. So they stash the body at Carl's apartment in a Nixon mask until they decide what to do. Carl sees Susan in her apartment and he decides, okay, she's going to have information about what happened. So he goes to talk to her. I'm going over there. What? I'm going over there. What for? I don't know. Snoop around. See what I can come up with. Carl, this is not some game. I mean, what if you're wrong? What if she didn't have anything to do with this? Oh, gee, James, it sounds as if you're really worried about me. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Come on, guys. I'm not going to get in over my head. Yeah, well, that depends on which head you're talking about. Look, we got your back. If anything funny happens, don't be too shy to scream. Somehow a couple of things lead to the other and, and they go on an impromptu date. Oh my God. Meanwhile, Lewis kidnaps a pizza delivery guy, Dean Cameron, who has seen too much. James Lewis and the pizza guy follow Carl and Susan who are on their date. Eventually, Carl and Susan are kidnapped by goons of a man named Maxwell Potterdam III. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Maxwell Potterdam III. 
Maybe you've heard of me. California Magazine just did a piece on me. With the exception of being misquoted several times, I, I thought it was a pretty good article. Anyway, all that is unimportant. This is what's important. Let's put these folks in the car and go someplace a little more noisy. Once again, we revisit this man in Don't Tell Mom yes. the Babysitter's Dead. Uh-huh. Still a creep. Yeah. So the dead body belongs to a politician named Jack Berger, who was involved in letting Potterdam illegally dump hazardous materials or hazardous chemicals until Berger had a change of heart, illegally recorded Potterdam. So Potterdam's goons killed Jack before he could turn the uh, tape or the evidence over. James Lewis and the pizza guy fight alongside Carl and Susan to escape before they end up throwing Potterdam in some toxic sludge. And that's pretty much our movie. Yeah. Let's get the characters. Charlie Sheen as Carl Taylor. Originally was not supposed to be Carl Sheen. Carl Sheen. <laughs> Carl Sheen was <laughs> not supposed to be Charlie Sheen. You know who it was supposed to be? No. St. Elmo's Fire, Judd Nelson. Oh, Brat, a Brat Packer. Fuck St. Elmo's Fire. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Emilio Estevez as James St. James. For those who didn't know, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, brothers. Uh, Keith David as Louis Fetters. Leslie Hope as Susan Wilkins. Dean Cameron as Pizza Delivery Man, which <laughs> I love Dean him. Cameron had a ton of work at this time. Oh, yes, he did. And he just, he didn't even get a name. John Getz as Maxwell Potterdam III. Gus from Don't Tell Mom the Baby sitters dead and i don't really think there's anyone else that we need to mention the buffoons for some reason when i was growing up reminded me of penn and teller they were an audible penn and teller because they the tall guy with the glasses remind me of penn does any uh non-lead character still scenes for you jim the one thing i love about this movie so much is i love the dynamic between keith david and emilio estevez they're so fucking Mm -hmm. good together because charlie is trying to be i'm sorry carl is trying to be the mediator between these two fucking james does not give a shit when they're in the truck for the first day of the ride along and james said this sucks what did you say son name is james well james if you expect to keep this job i suggest you tell me what it was you were mumbling over there james I said this sucks. And basically so do you. I think this sucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, Keith David just loves to doodle. Yeah. He's a fucking doodler. Oh, he draws all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Draws all kinds of shit. He's paranoid. He's almost like Walter Sobchak. The Emilio Keith David thing. If, if Emilio casted Keith David for this, he had a fucking home run. Yeah. It's tremendous. It's Keith David for me. I mean, who else could it be? He's incredible. Come on. All right, let's move on to best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. You go first. So I love how these two garbage men, James and Carl, they have like these little feuds. So they have the one with the bike cop. They have one with another pair of garbage men. They have like this little prank war. Yeah. But in the movie, we have the movie trope anomaly of a workplace shower and locker room. (laughs) Although... It seems plausible for garbage men. Yeah. Any garbage men out there, trash collectors, whatever you like to be called. Trash community people. Trash community. Members of the trash community. Youngstown Goblin. Uh, (laughs) 
throat goblin. Do you guys have, do you have showers at work? Yeah. Because like we, we watched Chopping Mall. We've watched a bunch of other Tons. movies on this podcast where I've never taken a shower at a job. I know. Uh-uh. You know, like, hey, well, I never took a shower at the gym when yeah. I work out. Yeah. I mean, I have, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting that. <laughs> Well, the garbage men thing it makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. And speaking of that, that leads into my first well, pick. Well, I, st- I still had a little oh, bit. Good, so go. I wanted to say, so in leading from the shower, the rival garbage men, they shower. The best. And then they discover that James and Carl put an airbag in their locker that this is mine. <laughs> But they think they think it's lame. They're like, oh, that was a shitty prank. Literally, because it explodes and they get covered in what I assume is shit. Hey, boys, where's your originality, huh? This means war, man. Hey, this is shit. It's shit. Get it off me, Frost. Get it off. And I would be double mad not only to get covered in shit, but specifically covered in shit after I walked out of the shower in a towel. Here's the thing that also blows me about blows. Me. Another thing that blows me. Here's the thing that blows my mind about that scene that James and Carl had the ability to, I'm going to say, use an airbag to fill shit in an airbag and then detonate it, but had the balls to do it within their oh, own yeah. locker. <laughs> like this shit could leak all over their stuff. Everyone- they don't care. And then they just detonate. It's a small explosive, a fucking airbag and just detonate this shit. Who cleans that up? Fucking everywhere. And they don't do this just once. They do it twice. Yeah. Fuck. Can you imagine their boss who we only see one time and you would think he would come in and go, all right, you fucking guys yeah, got to stop done. this. There's shit everywhere. I mean, I'm sure that locker room probably already smells pretty bad. Probably a little bit room. ripeness. So I used to date a girl and she worked at Arby's for a while and she would come home and I'd never like smelled anything worse in my life. Just like, roast beef. Her work clothes for oh, the day. Dude. And then like her car, her car seats would smell like Arby's. It was so gross. She would get home from work and have clothes or a robe or something in the basement. She'd walk in the door, go straight to the basement, take them all the clothes off, put the robe on and go up. But like sometimes like, she didn't walk wash her clothes because what's the fucking point? I learned this when I worked at Ponderosa or any restaurant I worked at, especially Ponderosa, no matter what you do, yeah, no matter how many times you wash your uniform, yeah, that smell does no. not come out. No. And it's almost like when I brought up a couple weeks ago, you know, being in a house with my mom smoking, I never noticed it until you get out of the situation. Oh, yeah. When I got out of the situation, it was Pondo. Then the smell yeah. just encapsulates everything oh. you touch. I'm glad I never worked in food service. My, oh. my cousin, he worked at Taco Bell and he'd get home and take his shoes off. There'd be taco meat in his shoes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, God. Oh, but like, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the way that they fucking work yeah. and stuff like, oh, I want to, I want $15 an hour minimum wage just to, for the, the hazard of getting taco meat in my shoes. <laughs> and I was doing this shit for $5 and 15 yeah, cents exactly. an hour minimum wage. Till they locked the doors on you. Yeah. So next I have someone threw away a perfectly good white boy. We're screwed. What do you mean we? You pulled the trigger, pal. Look, Lewis, we got to talk. See, Lewis, Carl sort of knows this guy. So? I don't know him at all. Well, he, what I'm trying to say is he, is, is he shot him with a pellet gun. But he thought he hit him in the butt. I did hit him in the butt. You two seem to be in some serious shit here. I need a drink. Look, Lewis, I know that I did not kill this man. You see, last night, this guy here was beating on his old lady. So I took it upon myself to end the dispute. So you shot him? 
was a pellet gun. So you said. Yes, I did mine too. <laughs> when, when they find Berger's body on the side on the route, the night after shooting him in the ass with the pellet gun. So the cops come along. This is what's so funny. So they pull him out of the barrel. They're like Keith David's character, Lewis, is just holding him up. Carl and James are fighting, arguing over like, well, I, I didn't kill him. I shot him in the ass with the pellet gun. Yeah. It's like arguing. Lewis is holding him up. Well, the bike cops come along and they're like, what's wrong with this guy? Meanwhile, they found like a, a cowboy hat. A smashed they, fucking hat that a drunk girl bought at a Shania Twain concert. put in the garbage. They put yeah. it on his head and they're doing like the weekend at Bernie's with them. <laughs> and the cop's like, what's wrong with him? We need to give the credit where credit is due. That guy that plays Jack plays a great dead dude. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't break. I'm oh, waiting for like perfect. an eye blink. Dude had it better than Bernie yep. himself. Yep. So they should have done weekend at fucking Bernie's three with this guy. Weekend at burgers. <laughs> so my next one, what's a phrenologist? You were born through cesarean, no? No. Well, I mean, it's not an exact science, of course. Apparently not. Mangoes. You, you love mangoes. <laughs> How did you know that? But Well, it's... All here in the contours. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's phrenology. It's fascinating, no? Mm. No, weird. That bullshit that Carl, on the date. Oh, it's the creepiest fucking thing. Somehow, he bumbles his ass, Keystone Cops, Benny Hill style, into A, talking to this girl, who you initially think, she's creeped out by him. Oh, yeah. This isn't going to fucking work. Yada, yada, yada. Because he slips up like five times, and he's like, he knows things about her. And she's like, how did you know that? The Dom Perignon and the... Yeah, and she's like, how did you know I had Dom? There's like a couple of them. Because he watches her all the time so fucking creepy she, his character gets a pass for being a fucking pervert yeah i mean that's what he is but when he starts rubbing her head and mm-hmm. doing the phrenology thing and it's this creepiest fucking shit yeah, ever. they drink a bunch and then decide to go down to the beach or and whatever. make out only in hollywood kids so the uh, garbage collecting montage so like we said this movie's more about oh, so good guys who stumble into something who just happen to be garbage men but when we see them actually collecting garbage the the best is probably when Carl finds a bowling ball and just bowls it down the street. <laughs> but like they're fucking around with everything. Frisbee. And then like, yeah, it's it's a whole montage of them just dicking off all day. That's great. My last one is near the end of the movie when the bike cops no longer have a bike. They have a squad car. They've moved up in the world and they pull over James, the kidnapped pizza delivery guy, <laughs> dead Jack, and Lewis is in the car. Yeah, cop. I know you, man. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, we got us another crazy nigga here with a gun. Well, let me tell you something. Human life means very little to me at this point in time. You see, I thrive on misery. In the jungle, misery's all you got. But things are different back here in the world. Also, they seem. Nobody wants to talk about pain and suffering. Everybody wants everything to be nice and civil. Well, okay then. Let's be nice. Let's be civil and let's drop those guns before i pull this trigger and change the way you feel about me when lewis reads the riot act to the cop it that fucking monologue oh it's great is 
the ultimate essence of Keith David yeah. in a five minutes. I love it when he's like, well, I can tell that the officer dropped a flashlight yeah. and not his gun. It's so good. And once again, we mentioned it before. You mentioned it. Dean Cameron is so tremendous yeah. that his character goes from a kidnapped pizza delivery boy who's frightened by n- the end of the movie seems to be fucking grateful yeah. that this happened to him. Mm-hmm. I love it. Except for when his girl, his girlfriend well, yeah. calls into the radio show yeah. to their boyfriend stood her up. The last thing I want to mention is probably should have been safer logic, but I also think it makes sense here. I don't think that this movie has a proper ending. No, it just because, abruptly. Yeah. Ends. They just, they fight all of Potterdam's goons. And then they essentially like in nothing but trouble sort of way. It's like a Vulcanvania they thing. They send Potterdam down this toxic sludge slide where he lands in like a puddle. But like, we don't see if he gets arrested. Nope. We don't see if he grows wings or like <laughs> something from the sludge. Like yeah. if he dies. Nothing. Like they just literally throw this guy in toxic sludge and the movie's over. We don't see if they open their surf shop. No. We don't like, is that their last day on the job? It almost seemed like they were running out of money production wise and they go, we just need to wrap it. Yeah. It Logical was, conclusion. It was really weird how it just like ends without, I mean, he, Carl kisses the girl. She like slaps him, but he kisses the girl. Would love to have seen the surf shop. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have been curious. Yeah. What would have been called? I don't know. I don't know. Trash Incorporated. I think I will. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, we'll win this one. It's I an ocean. think so, but there is the Pacific Ocean. Hey, Carl. I don't know why I did that voice. <laughs> this is one of only a few movies to have both Emilio Estevez and his brother, Charlie Sheen, or who I called earlier, Carl Sheen. <laughs> Carl the Sheen. brothers, of course, the sons of Martin Sheen. Yeah. And the nephews of Joe Estevez. Who Martin Sheen, later on in life, got to see Martin Sheen a couple of years ago in person. Awesome dude. Where? He did one of those uh, seminar things down at YSU. Okay. Went with my dad. It was really cool. I could see Joe Estevez all the time. He was at every cinema wasteland. <laughs> God, that's right. Because he played the, the Wolfman. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. There were so many people that were always at every cinema wasteland. They all blend together. But Martin Sheen is later gone on to say he wished he would have kept his Estevez last yeah. name. So he'd just be Martin Estevez. I like that uh, Charlie Sheen. It was not Charlie Estevez. <laughs> he was not at all. He's very much Charlie Sheen. Yeah. In the spirit of the Emilio and his brother, Charlie, and then I guess for what it's worth, Martin and his brother, Joe. And that like is some synergy, too, because Martin Sheen and Joe Estevez Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Yeah, it works out. Emilio Estevez, of course, does not look like an Emilio Estevez. Not at all. He not at like, all. He looks like Carl Sheen. He looks like Gordon Bombay. Yeah, he looks like Gordon Bombay. So in the spirit of that, we are going to do a Mount Rushmore of famous siblings. And this can be... <laughs> what? For some reason, I don't mean to break this down for the pool check. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was writing. I put breakfast smoothie... Vanilla ice cream, old coffee, Jaeger, and Tylenol. <laughs> All right. I don't, know what the grocery hell, list. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. That's awesome. All right. We're going to have to wing this. <laughs> I, how, I don't know why I put that. I literally put pool check, breakfast smoothie, vanilla ice cream. I don't I want to know what. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what happened? I have no idea. Wow. Jesus Christ. Well, right, let's do it. Jim's going to have a, a tough time. I'll go first to set the tone. Yes. But this can be 
anything. Could be uh, siblings throughout oh. history. Could be sports. Could be acting. I'm going with some important ones right off the bat, and it's Wilbur and Orville Wright, oh, collectively yeah. known as the Wright brothers, who get credit for whether they actually did. I didn't research enough, but they get credit for inventing airplane flight. Oh yeah, which allows us all to uh, fly commercially. It still makes no sense how a plane flies, but these assholes figured it out. Magic down in what South Carolina, North Carolina, North Kitty Carolina. Hawk. There you go, and Kitty Hawk, and uh, so there are some pretty important siblings. Not just the only two siblings; they had some other uh, brothers and sisters too. Yeah. But only Wilbur and Orville took credit for this one. So my first one, gotta pull it off the cuff here because it's definitely not going to be old coffee. <laughs> the fuck was I thinking? So my first head on Mount Rushmore is the Roosevelt brothers, Teddy and Franklin Delano, or not brothers, but they're family related. Both presidents of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, the Rough Riders created the Bull Moose Party separated. And then FDR, man, I got us through the Great Depression, the only four term president in United States history, which, you know, he kind of put the kibosh on doing those four terms after that stuff, but got us through World War II was very, very, very very crucial to getting us out of the Great Depression and building back the country to what uh, it was for a long time before it's gone back into the shit. My next one, my favorite siblings, favorite famous siblings, Joel and Ethan, the Coen brothers. Yes. They've made like three of my all-time favorite movies, No Country for Old Men, Big Lebowski, Inside Lewin Davis, and honestly, so many other great movies like that. I don't I think even the movies considered to be their worst are great even like Hail Caesar which I everyone go watch that it's actually yeah. a lot better the only one that I, I really can't do and I, I like rom-coms is Intolerable Cruelty with uh, George Clooney and yeah. um, Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah you're right I've watched it a couple times and I just I like rom-coms but I just Coen Brothers and rom-com just doesn't work for me okay my next one is gonna be a feel bad for the other brother but they are brothers Patrick and Don Swayze. Nice. Patrick Swayze, we now, love. Don Swayze, the ultimate underdog to end up on Mount Rushmore of siblings. The ultimate underdog. Almost damn near looked like his brother, Patrick. Of course, Patrick got all the accolades. God, they're Sort of dancing. like Sylvester and Frank Stallone. Oh, God, that was another one. Got, but Frank Stallone had the better musical talent, let's there be honest. Go. And yeah, I'm going to go with Patrick and Don Swayze. Great. Not uh, Jägermeister and Tylenol, apparently. I, <laughs> so I hate including them, but they're literally some of like I'm not exaggerating that they're some of the most powerful people on planet earth the Kardashians oh fuck famous for being famous and because Kris Jenner marketed it and sold her daughter Kim's sex tape allegedly <sighs> which launched them into our lives and they've never went away and there's uh, always more of them because there's like Kylie and Kendall and Kim Courtney Chloe all K's uh, yeah they're very powerful famous all of the above and I, I think they're probably the most famous siblings in the world. My next one are one of the probably the most iconic sisters in sports history. It's Venus oh, yeah. and Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. A lot of people might forget this. Venus was the first one on the scenes. Mm -hmm. She's the one who started making waves. And then Serena at 99 US Open. And then she's the most celebrated female athlete. Fuck, probably of all. Yeah. yeah, I would yeah. say of all time. She's won like 25 major tournaments. She's iconic. She's a fashionista. Fucking Serena Williams is now a pop culture icon. It's crazy in um, King Richard, which is such an incredible movie. But there's that scene where he's he's telling Venus, he's like telling Serena, he's like, you know, it's, it's your sister's turn right now. 
but I'm telling you, you're going to be the, the greatest athlete of all time. He's like, your sister's just got to do this, and then it's going to be your turn. Yeah. What an incredible movie that is. I, for my last one, I also went sports just because I, I've got a, a number of honorable mentions. I did have Venus and Serena, got some others, but I'm going Peyton and Eli. Oh, yeah. Just because of their crossover appeal. I mean, both of them won championships. Yeah, plus they come from that lineage of quarterbacks. Like, you picked Don and Patrick. Like, Patrick <laughs> had, you know, a ton of hits and not so much Don. But, like, with Peyton and Eli, you could almost argue either way who is better because... Their Monday Night Football yeah. fucking telecast yep. is great. Commercials, they're funny, they've done SNL. I mean, they're juggernauts, honestly, in media. And now... Uh, their son. Cooper's son is going to be... In NFL. What's his name? He's got a weird the kid's got a, a different first name too. Android. <laughs> I think it's Ark. I think it's Arch. Arch Manning. Yeah. That's it. So my last one, brother-sister combo. Mm. Julia and Eric Roberts. Now, Julia Roberts. I don't think you understood the assignment <laughs> because like you're picking situations where one sibling is great and the other sibling's like the... But if you think about it though, throughout the essence I of I love time, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts has been in some of the most different yeah. straight to DVD, almost released movies, but Eric Roberts has been around for just as long, if not a little bit longer than Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts is one of the most amazing actresses in Hollywood ever. Pretty woman, Aaron Brockovich, who was just down in East Palestine, the actual Aaron Brockovich, because I have a feeling people thought Julia Roberts was going to be down there. As Aaron Brockovich. As Aaron Brockovich. But yeah, I want to do it a little differently. I'm going to go with Julia and Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, uh, father of Emma Roberts. So the fucking Wahlbergs. Yeah. I mean, you had a, a new kid. Yeah, how'd you forget about me, Jamie? Fuck. Marky Mark and then a, a burger guy. A burger. Paul Wahlberger. Uh, Owen Luke and Andrew Wilson. Wow. Which Andrew Wilson is, I mean, he's in a lot of stuff, but he's the forgotten Wilson brother. The Hemsworths. Yeah. How about the fucking Kennedys? Oh, for God's sake. One of them killed the girl. Yeah. The Marx Brothers. Yeah. The Warner Brothers founded in Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, I did not know that. Today's years old. Yeah. The Baldwins, speaking of killing people, Uh, not so high right now. Macaulay, Kieran, and Rory Calkin is an interesting one because Macaulay had like a whole ass career that started and stopped. And now Kieran is putting together an awesome career 30 years after. Yeah. How weird is that? But Macaulay's kind of come back around again. Yeah. I mean, Macaulay's never going to go away. But but yeah, yeah. like I, I think he stays out of it by choice. Yeah. Yeah to see Kieran in like succession like we're rewatching succession right now and he's so great how about Noel and Liam Gallagher oh god one of the most amazing rock bands of all time derailed for brother dysfunctionality yeah Greg and Bryant Gumble. yeah Brett and Owen Hart oh fuck how did we how did I not say that and then finally all generations of the weigh-ins there's a million of starting with Keenan Ivory, Ivory Damon and then they're still going yeah. the kids of the kids Sean. of the kids are still still out there i'll say it dude and maybe this is controversial i enjoyed sometimes more than saturday night live was in living color yes it I was loved, revolutionary loved in living color it was so was great fucking great too yes fly girls oh they found a j-lo all right let's uh get our surfboards and get back in the garbage pool all right let's get back into the trash community pool Uh, I left out a couple of things about myself. I'm waiting, you son of a bitch! First of all, my name isn't Ted, it's Carl. So from now on, when you yell for me in a panic, yell Carl. Something tells me there's more! Okay, last night, you and Jack Berger had a fight, an argument in your apartment, right? How the hell could you possibly know that? Ah! 
Look, Susan, I don't live in your building. I am a garbage man. I live across the street from you. Now, I have been watching you almost every day for the last six weeks. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You have been spying on me? Why? Well, I, I don't really consider it spying. Would you really consider it then? Let me finish. Do you think the shit covered garbage man? That's our critical question. Do you think the <laughs> shit covered garbage man took the prank war a little too far? Can't see anything. Hey, Cross, give me some light. This is just a little uncoolazinski. Our brouhaha is with Carl, not with the chick. I'm just making a simple adjustment, nothing major. Shake him up a little bit. Now, can I have some light, please? Thank you. Come on, come on, hurry up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now let's find James. Teach that simple bastard a lesson. Two. They're fucking severing break lines. Like, they could, that's murder. Yeah, they. And even the hippie pot guy was like, whoa, I think we're going to. He lit her fucking 59 Corvette on fire. They, I guess it's okay. So Carl and James like bumped into their garbage truck. They did the shit balloon thing. Yeah. So like maybe it's going a little far. And then they get shit ballooned a second time. Yeah. Because they set up their own, yeah. but then it backfires on them. And, uh, but yeah, ultimately, I think they went way too far. They tried to commit homicide. They just, I mean, there a, had to be some scenes we didn't see. A fucking bombing, a break cutting? Jesus. All right. So speaking of uh, garbage people, and we just mentioned the Wahlbergs. David McCall, did you ever want to be a garbage man? Hey, when I grew up and before my brother Paul Wahlberger wanted to make burgers, I was like, hey, Ma, can I be a trash guy? She's like, no. Walker, you should have allowed nature to take its course. All right, so for logic, let's get it out of the way. These have to be the worst garbage men ever, right? Well, they don't do anything. James pulls way too far forward and nowhere near the actual trash, and then they have to take too many steps back and forth. Like, this is pre... This is when it was manual. Oh, yeah. So now it'll, like, come and pick up your... There's only one garbage man now. That's yeah, it. and it'll pick up your dumpster, yeah. and it'll, you know, dump the thing in. And, like, this was manual. These guys are walking... They don't pull up to the curb, so they're walking the garbage can to the truck. And they're going through the garbage dumping it yeah then well and then they either toss the can or walk it back to the curb i'm like each shift had to have taken like 18 hours it had to have plus they take long breaks yeah. they chill yeah they take long breaks and then at the end of the day i don't know if this is again trash community out there <laughs> at the end of the day after they take everything to the dump they have to sweep out their truck i never knew that is that a thing i thought you, they would just pressure spray that shit out yeah like that's weird or just leave it yeah like not that you want to leave caked in garbage but like that point somebody else like at the dump seems like they would be like well what i don't get too and we brought it up with restaurants and clothing and stuff like that no matter how many times you wash a truck out it, it's not like coming no, out it's done no so like what are you in that california heat they're ugh. sweeping it out they're literally in their push brooms you'd have to throw those brooms away you'd yeah. have to get a new broom every day exactly here's one thing i don't get they live in it could not have been a cheap neighborhood to live in you're living in basically on yeah. Venice beach yeah and they live like the sting fuck yeah they live on like the sixth floor of the texas school book depository because you got lee harvey with a pellet gun are you telling me there are no like people passing by on the street or cars noticing a man with a rifle sticking out of his building staring or at people? just the everyday thing his telescope yeah 
Yes. All like he's looking at all these people at the telescope. And at one point he does make contact with yeah. somebody else at the telescope. But like all of these people are facing you. You're not so far away that they would not see you. Plus, he doesn't do it with the lights off in his apartment. No. The lights are right on, yeah. no curtains, nothing. Weird. Come on. A scene that they don't elaborate on that's real weird is that James hugs the one woman while he's working. Like she's waiting for him at the fence to give oh, yeah. him her garbage and he hugs her. He's got to smell so oh. bad and she like hugs him and then like they don't elaborate what that no. arrangement is. No, I, I want to know more about why he's hugging a woman on his garbage route. Maybe she is going to be somebody who will finance the surf shop. There, it's an ant. There you go. Or something. She likes the stink. Why would you take Jack's body out of that barrel to begin with? No, idea. I would fucking open the lid and go, Oh, I, and they close it. I love that they're not phased at all. No, just like whatever. It's just another dude. Yeah. At that point, then throw him in the back of your fucking truck and yeah. then brush him out at the end of the shit. <laughs> we didn't see a dead body. No, I didn't see shit. This one blows my mind. Carl and James, they have the lunch at the whatever it's called. It's a real place. It's yeah. A little outside outdoor diner and Eddie yeah. Grill type situation. Absolutely gorgeous day. Warm sun, beautiful women. And the air is just right for drinking. They've got their wetsuits on under the garbage man uniforms. Oh. So does that mean like all day they've been wearing wetsuits under Sweat the long sleeve garbage in California? It's 90 degrees outside. And then why would they carry their boards down to the beach and then wait till they're at the water to take off the garbage uniforms? <laughs> because like they could have left the garbage uniforms yeah. in the truck and then just wore their wetsuits. It makes no sense. The restaurant, I do have the note here, is called Good Stuff. Good stuff. Is yeah. it it's still around to this day? I think it is. It's been in other movies. Good stuff. And I brought it up earlier with this other point of logic. Why doesn't their boss put a kibosh on all these pranks? They're damaging oh, yeah. fucking garbage I, well, he's trucks. Trying. They're damaging well, I mean with the ride along, but that's not going to stop them from detonating shit airbags in locker rooms. Yeah. Like where does it end? I mean we're having murder, attempted murder, bombings, and you got these weird, first off, they got a drug test because these two fucking guys are unstable. I just cracked the case. This is CNN Breaking News. Okay. I cracked it. All right. I love Carl's breakfast smoothie, which he made from leftover ice cream, old coffee, Jägermeister, and Tylenol. How did I get that? Oh, you that might have been a favorite scene. Ah! You put it in the wrong section. So when he wakes That's up in I the did. morning, damn it, he's making a smoothie and yeah. it consists of ice cream that's just sitting out, that's old coffee, is. Jägermeister, and Tylenol. <laughs> it is in the blender. <laughs> it's so good. God damn it. That was one of my favorite scenes, but I had it under pool check yeah all right that's why yeah finally that would have drove me nuts wrong section of notes i'm yeah. glad because i was like is that a grocery <laughs> list you gotta buy old coffee old co you sell discount i see this uh folgers and maxwell house but do you sell old, old coffee like i want the old shit <laughs> this is cnn breaking news are these guys the only cops in the entire city? Yeah, they got to be. There's the nobody else. They're the only guys. They're the only guys that respond to anything. I'm pretty sure they're the only cops in the budget. Yeah. Maxwell Potterdam must be a great boss. He must give away like all the gas cards and, and pizza parties because he has so many employees who help him with the illegal dumping scheme who don't ask questions or turn nope. him in. They just do and it. And on top of it, they're willing to fight these strangers. Yeah. Come in at night, like all these other things. Why are they so loyal to him? Here's an thing too they killed jack because he had the tape saying yeah 
I did X, Y, and Z. Of course, every fucking shitty heel in every movie always divulges what they're going to do and what their intention is. But how high up the food chain does he have bought off? Because he just doesn't have a small dumping operation. He has a chemical factory off the grid. And somehow none of this is being regulated or watched. And they are literally not going out to the middle of the desert to dump these barrels. It literally looks like they went to a normal landfill and just dumped these yellow barrels that are going to stick out like sore thumbs. What are you drinking there? Speaking of yellow. Starry. Zero sugar. Why is it so small? I have no idea. Because at first I thought it was just a regular can, but then I saw you hold it and it's like an Andre the Giant thing. I'm I'm Andre the Giant. So I'm like, uh, so Starry is just Sierra Mist repackaged. You know what? It tastes the same. Yeah. I I do not like the name Starry. What was the problem with Sierra Mist? Was it too many words? They got to overthink everything. Why didn't they just call it Sierra? I'll have a can of Sierra. Why didn't they call it Stripe instead of Sprite? Oh, God. Six up. Six up. (laughs) Seven minute abs. And then finally, for me, very convenient that the barrel of Jack's body ended up on Carl and James specific route. Exactly. I mean, the the hitman who killed him, it like popped out of their trunk and just like rolled conveniently onto the curb. But this entire city of all the routes, we see how many garbage men there are. It ends up on their route. Very much plot. How convenient. So what is the legacy of this movie? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes only has this at 32%. I really question a lot of Rotten Tomatoes fucking numbers because they're off all the time. But I'll tell you what, I would have liked to have seen more adventures of James Carl Lewis and the pizza guy. Like, here's an idea. And this is insane. James Carl. Oh, that's right. Never mind. You thought it was one guy. I thought it was literally Carl Lewis. James Carl Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) The pizza guy. Run! So here's an idea. It's probably stupid. And I don't know what I was thinking when I was watching this. But what if all the illegal dumping led to a zombie outbreak? And then we got those characters, James, Carl, Lewis, and the pizza guy fighting beach zombies. Okay, I'd be down with that. With the same tone as this movie, except fighting zombies. How great would it be in the sequel, they work in Men at Work into Men at Work? Too. Yeah. Colin Hay looks like he was he thrown into zombies. Yeah. yeah. Make it like The Last of Us. That's the popular thing now. All right. Stick around for some plugs. For one night only, the world's number one recording artists will share a single stage. Dreams do come true. You put them at the top of the rock, rap, and country charts. Now they're coming together for the musical event of the year, featuring MC Hammer, Phil Collins, New Kids on the Block. Paul McCartney, Belle Biv DeVoe, Sinead O'Connor, Janet Jackson, and many more on the 1990 Billboard Music Awards, Monday night on Fox. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show. And don't forget, as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. You leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air, we'll send you out a bit of a prize. Also, don't forget, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You guys are unsure how to get there? We have a one-stop shop now, and it's called Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Pool Scene Podcast. If you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way, help for future content, maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us, there is a link at the top of the Linktree that will send you to basically a tip jar. We love you guys, and thank you once again. And now... Back to Kevin. Final lap, Kai. You ever see a garbage truck race? Yeah! The final lap!
So last weekend, I was feeling a little under the weather, and I had oh, a li- yeah. I had a little triple feature. I watched Saint Elmo's Fire, Ugh. Lucas, and The Menu. Which one of these things is not like the other? <laughs> you think? So first, Jim, I, I want to confront you here. Ugh. And I think it's okay that you don't like St. Elmo's Fire. It's fine to yeah. not like it. But I just don't understand why you don't. Because the movie shares literally a ton of similarities and totally feels so much like The Big Chill, which is your favorite movie. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. Like, both have ensemble casts made up of seven friends. Yeah. Both four guys, three girls with a secondary female. Both character studies about maturation and about relationships. Both have, like, somewhat fe- in plots like I won't spend any longer on it but there's actually like if you go and look there are people who have written papers on this exact thing oh Christ how similar St. Elmo's Fire and Big Chill are I will say before I move on that I'm surprised that Emilio Estevez's character never kidnapped Andy McDowell's character oh god he's creepy as shit in like movie. when she finally kissed him on the cheek Ugh. I'm pretty sure she unknowingly saved her own life yeah because he shows up at this ski cabin like pissed off he steals the other girl's car, yep. goes to the ski, ski cabin to confront her because she has a boyfriend. And she like thinks it's sweet that he came. He gets hung up, whatever. She kisses him on the cheek. If she hadn't kissed him on the cheek, I'm pretty sure he wanted to wear her face like a mask. Pretty much. He's weird. He's It's very scary. We're going to cover that movie eventually. But to me, unlike The Big Chill, I feel St. Elmo's Fire is a disjointed pile of shit that I'm not invested in any of the characters. They all have their own little thing. Big Chill is literally all in one house coming back together old college friends for their friend's funeral who was supposed to be Kevin Costner but never showed up in it but I feel like there was more of a direction to this movie it just seemed like we got these hot young actors they're the best thing here's a script but just let them be them let them do what they want in this movie and it's just like I'm not invested in any of the characters it just it's a clusterfuck and it's like I don't care I think a lot of the problem is that you don't there's really not they're all kind of shitty in some way Judd Nelson's character's terrible Judd Nelson's character's terrible Andrew McCarthy Carthy's character is kind of terrible. Maybe Estevez is terrible. Maybe there's just too many heels. Ali Sheedy's the only like character. Yeah. And Dem- Demi Moore's character is terrible. Yeah. Ali Sheedy's character is really the only one who's like redeemable. I think what doesn't help too is when you look at the Brat Pack movies, I mean, this is coming off Breakfast Club and Breakfast Club's fucking great. Yeah. Here we got another Brat Pack movie, but it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I- it needed Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, that's what I was missing. <laughs> So next up, after I watched St. Elmo's Fire, right. I watched Lucas. I haven't watched so, this in ages. Awesome movie we'll probably cover yes. at some point, but I totally forgot that Jeremy Piven's one of the secondary characters. Piven? He would have been 20 or 21 when this was filmed. He was like beefy, kind of. Yeah. But he was more bald then than he is now. And he was playing a high schooler and he's got like almost like a, a coma, the equivalent of a comb over, but forward oh, where God. he's like definitely got the receding hairline, yeah. but they just like combed his hair forward. We mentioned it when we did PCU that he is way too old to even be a college yeah. student. Yes. Well, he, so he's one of the bully football players along with the kid from uh, revenge of the nerds Two. That's like, why do they call big guys tiny? And Oh, that, that guy, guy, the one he's, in the, the he's hot the tub villain. Okay. But then, um, 
You have Cary Green and Charlie Sheen. And honestly, this movie makes you think of like how great Corey Haim could have been. Yeah. If, you know, a lot of things hadn't gone wrong and, and all of that. This was like, Corey Haim's really good in this movie. Yeah, like Legitimately good. Winona Ryder playing a geek. Super weird. I can't remember. Does Corey Haim, because it's been ages since I saw this movie, does he die in this movie? Get the no. shit kicked out of him at one point? He gets the shit kicked out of him. That's so right. He doesn't understand why Cary Green wants to date Charlie. Charlie Sheen. Okay. He, cause Charlie Sheen is cappy. He's the football captain. Yeah. Uh, like a tight end or a wide receiver. And he's a nerd though. Isn't he like a nerdy kid? Who's that? Lucas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Lucas yeah, is yeah. like a huge nerdy kid. Like Lucas whatever. with the lid off. So he, uh, he thinks like he has a chance with, with Carrie Green. Cause they, before she just moved here. So before school starts, he like spends the summer with her. Yeah. And he thinks like they're friends and, and basically she goes to school, she gets popular and she kind of forgets about him, but he thinks he like had a chance. So to impress her, he joined, like he just joins the football team and tells the oh, coach. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then he, pl- okay. he plays in a game, like a varsity football game. <sighs> Somehow, yeah. some way he gets, there's a huge logic issue because Somehow the ref allows the other team to pick up an incomplete pass and return it. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's super. We'll get to it when we cover that movie. And then finally I watched the menu, which I've been wanting to watch. It's super fun. I like, I really enjoyed it. It's really about like the pretentiousness of like that type of dining experience. Yeah. It's not a horror movie. I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but like it's, it was fun. I would, I would watch it. It's, it's good. The, the end is very satisfying. Beyond that, I've been rewatching succession. I'm kind of, like itching for season four there's so many funny like real life situations that mirror succession like yeah. like vince mcmahon he is logan uh, roy he is absolutely logan roy there seems to be a kind of a toss-up as to whether succession will end with season four or there will be a season five okay. the showrunner kind of said like probably will be season five but they're keeping it tight-lipped i think it's i think season four comes out i'm not mistaken in may but does there need to be like being you at the leftovers three seasons is perfect. I think I don't see. So here's the thing. They're kind of at a, an interesting point to where I don't because season one's 10 episodes. It's just like the leftover season one's 10 episodes. Season two's nine episodes. Season three's 10 episodes. Okay. So there's been 29 episodes. So you got to think season four is probably 10 episodes. Yeah. I don't know that whatever story it is that they want to tell can be told in 10 more episodes. Okay. Because they got some shit to resolve and then they'd have to like march towards the end. The end. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine after rewatching it though. Cause I watched it once after rewatching it, it gets a little like, almost like redundant and repetitive after you watch it again because it's kind of just the same it's it's very much like relies a lot on deus ex machina where it's like they keep getting into these situations where like how the fuck are they possibly going to get out of this and they always just throw some wacky thing into where they're like that's how they get out gotcha and it's just you can only do that so many times so interesting i'm excited for it and then speaking of of next seasons jim you something we're going to do on this podcast that's going to be new so we're going to do a new little feature to join what you're listening to now, our mainline podcast, and also the Swim Meet series. We're going to have a little feature called Swim Shorts. Swim Shorts is going to be a random topic, really no background, 
We're just going to throw our, our personal joie de vivre onto it. They're going to be roughly 10 to 15 minutes long. Good, nice little appetizer to lead you up to, you know, our mainline or the swimming series episodes. Every now and then, you know, one week we'll do a mainline, you know, every now and then we'll throw in a swimming series. And then for one week, maybe we'll throw in uh, a swim short, but it could be any topic. It could be video games. We could talk about old stories from our lives, stuff like that. Nothing structured, just off the cuff. I have a little time to keep you guys entertained so you feel like you're not missing the sultriness of our voices. So we're going to do something a little new. All right. Well, guys, stick around for those. I don't know when the first one will drop, but until then, silencia.